Well, as always, if you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. If you need one, we'd love for you to grab one and keep one out back at our welcome table. Uh, We are now in the third week of our four weeks Christmas series called I Am, and we are in the Gospel of John this morning, John chapter 10, if you want to turn there now. John chapter 10 is the next I Am statement of Jesus that we are going to look at. How does I am, the fact that Jesus says I am seven times, tells us who he is and what he's about, connect to Christmas? Well, the reality of Jesus saying I am, this is the most loaded phrase in all of Scripture, he is stating Yahweh, I am. He's using the name of God in the Old Testament to explain to us that he is God. So first and foremost, he's telling us he is God, and at Christmas time we celebrate Advent, which literally means arrival, that God has arrived here on earth, that Jesus, divinity, the one true God, has come to earth, taken on human flesh, and has been born in humility in a stable as a newborn baby. He has come to save. And so... First week, we looked at Jesus' first I am statement, I am the bread of life. And then last week, we looked at his second statement, I am the light of the world. And we've seen what this good news is, the picture that Jesus is giving us, this full picture of his love and grace and power as it relates to Christmas time. And here this morning in John chapter 10, Jesus in one teaching actually gives us two I am statements together. He will tell us, I am the gate for the sheep, and he will say, I am the good shepherd of the sheep. Now, for most of us, chances are you did not grow up in an agrarian culture raising sheep. I certainly did not. However, the people who are receiving this teaching in the moment from Jesus, that is exactly who they were, and that is exactly what they did. This is about 33 AD. This is in the ancient Near East, our modern-day Middle East, and many people then and now are shepherds. And so his metaphor would have hit them in the center of their heart. They would have understood exactly what it meant. But for us, We need to dig a little bit deeper from the scripture this morning to really understand when Jesus says that he's a good shepherd, what does that mean for us and what does it mean for us today? And I think that we will find that Jesus' promise here is profound. It is relevant. It is awe-inspiring that Jesus is our gate and our good shepherd and that we are his sheep. And so we're going to see basically three things here this morning that the sheep desperately need a shepherd, that there are many, any... (laughs) Many enemies out there, among them, Jesus highlights thieves, wolves, and hired hands who are slacker shepherds, and that Jesus is the the great shepherd for us today, just as he was in the moment when he first made that promise and as he was before the foundations of the world. So let's read John 10. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read all the way through verse 18. So put your seatbelt on. It's a little bit longer passage, but we need it to unfold all that Jesus is telling us this morning. So here we go, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Pause. They understood the industry of shepherding, but they did not understand the spiritual reality that is the fullness of what he is saying. So he continues to explain to them and to us. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord." I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father, says Jesus this morning. Let's take a moment and let's pray together to the Good Shepherd. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we are your sheep. Teach us, lead us, we pray. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your power, your truth, and your authority that are established here once again in this passage. And we look to you, Jesus, as God incarnate, come to this world, the one true Messiah. And we thank you that salvation is in him. We look to you this morning, Lord Jesus, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Three simple applications I already mentioned to you in brief this morning as we continue to work our way through this awesome Christmas season. Number one, specifically, sheep cannot survive without following a good shepherd. Throughout this, we are listening to the physical metaphor of sheep and shepherds, but we are understanding that most of all, what Jesus is telling us is a spiritual reality about our souls and his divinity. Sheep cannot survive without following a good shepherd. Here's what we know about sheep. And again, think about the spiritual implications of the physical realities of sheep. If you are not a sheep herder, again, I also am not, sheep are weak. Sheep are foolish. In comparison to the rest of the animal world, sheep really are incredibly helpless. Sheep can become um, what is known as cast or cast down. And for a sheep to become cast down literally means that they were walking along, for whatever reason they have rolled on their side, and they have now rolled upside down so far that their feet are up, their back is on the ground, and they do not know how to get up again. A sheep will die if there is danger lurking because the sheep cannot get back up on its feet again. That's sheep. Um, they push their heads through fences 
and get stuck and get hurt. They uh, will climb trees and get their horns stuck in the tree and hang themselves. They will fall into a stream of water. They will literally scratch an itch that they have to death. These are sheep. Um, Of all the animals on the farm, on the working farm, apparently sheep take by far the most work. They need the most care. Um, Because, among other things, sheep tend to be really bad at finding their own food. They need to be fed by the shepherd all the time, and the shepherd specifically has to ensure that the feeding that they are getting is, is the right stuff, that it's the right mix of stuff. Sheep will very happily eat poisonous plants. Sheep will very happily eat weeds that are empty of any valuable calories. Sheep will happily eat trash until they die. That is the nature of a sheep. It is said uh, by many that sheep, in fact, are a very clear argument against macroevolution because how could these sheep have survived millions and millions of years, survival of the fittest, because they are so incredibly unfit. If evolution were true, there would be no sheep because they are so weak and so dependent upon the shepherd. Sheep are timid and they are easily frightened by ridiculous things. And yet at the same time, they are also extremely stubborn and they will refuse to move when they are in a dangerous situation. Um, They have been known, apparently, to walk directly into fire. Um, They do this because they would rather follow their habitual path. They would rather do what they have always done rather than go around the danger and actually go to the greener pasture. They want to follow their habits. Um, Sheep also are very well known for wandering off. Jesus tells many different stories about sheep wandering off and that he is the the shepherd will go and rescue them. Um, And the worst part about that is not only that they wander off, but they are, again, incredibly defenseless. And so they have no ability to find their way back or to survive on their own. Sheep need protection. Sheep need provision. Sheep need leadership. Sheep need love from the shepherd. And the Bible says that we are his sheep. So the Bible tells us over and over and over again, in fact, is this statement. Psalm 100 and verse 3 says it very well. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Well, that really tells us two things about ourselves right off the bat. First of all, it is a reminder that we do the same foolish things that sheep do. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray spiritually. We have wandered away from the shepherd. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that is on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. But it also tells us something else. It tells us that the shepherd of the sheep loves us profoundly, even with all the realities of what sheep are. Listen to Matthew 9, 36. On Jesus, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus cares. Jesus loves. Jesus is the good shepherd for the sheep, and the sheep cannot survive without a good shepherd. That's our foundation. Number two, the threats. 
we know from this scripture, thieves, wolves, and bad shepherds abound. So be a good shepherd and protect the sheep. This is now the imperative. This is the teaching. If we think about who Jesus is for us, the implications of that call us to live that reality out. But let's look at the metaphor again that Jesus is choosing to use. John chapter 10 and verse 1 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And Jesus tells us about thieves in verse 8, verse 1, and verse 10. Again, I'm not a sheep herder, but I have been reading a book. It is a fascinating book. It's called While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks, 40 Reflections on Biblical Leadership. And this is written by a guy who recently has basically spent his life going to the Middle East and spending time with modern-day shepherds and watching what they do and, and listening to their stories to understand when Jesus talks about these things in Scripture, what does it really, really, really mean? And he's got these just incredible uh, observations. So one interview, one conversation he has with a sheep herder whose name is Moshi, who is an 80-year-old something, 80-something-year-old shepherd. He's a seasoned, wise, veteran shepherd. And he asked him, what is your greatest challenge as a shepherd? And he said, thieves. Thieves are the greatest challenge. And he told uh, in, in his story, he said, three times he has found his sheep pens emptied by thieves, and that the thieves would poison the guard dogs that were protecting the sheep, and that they would sneak in at night, and that they would take all the sheep. And he said at one time, just to understand how terrible this is, he said one time 250 sheep were stolen at one night. Thieves then, spiritually, physically, all the above, and thieves today in 2020 are a humongous problem. Verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Brothers and sisters, understand that that is all that they do. So often, we look to things that the Bible says are thieves, and we expect something good to come from them. They don't help. They don't come to defend. They don't come to serve. They don't come to care. They don't come to love. Thieves do not solve problems. They don't bring healing. They don't heal your heart, they don't heal relationships, and they don't fulfill the promises that they make. Jesus does. But it's worth thinking about why do we in our hearts believe so easily the lies that thieves in this life, spiritually speaking, will tell us. Jesus follows that same reality check about thieves by telling us only the shepherd comes to save, provide, and protect Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus tells us exactly what he means. In verse 8, two verses earlier, he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And what he is saying to the people of that time is that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests who have lost sight of God and lost sight of his word are leading the people of God astray that political and spiritual leaders that have been given authority by God have destroyed that authority and have destroyed God's people by leading them away from Jesus. Jesus says, all of them who came before me are thieves. But then he wants to talk about wolves and hired hands, and he does this in verses 12 and 13. Look at that again with me. <clears throat> he 
who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Darkness means danger. So the eyes of a good shepherd will constantly be scanning during the darkness looking for wolves and will constantly be listening for the sounds of danger coming because when the wolf comes, the wolf snatches sheep and devours them. Again, Jesus is very direct with us. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, Jesus says that wolves are specifically false prophets and false teachers. This is where the phrase comes from, wolves in sheep's clothing. What does that look like in our time and culture? Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Listen to how Paul says it in Jude chapter 1 and verse 4. Listen, the sheep or the, the wolf in sheep's clothing. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So what he's saying here is people who claim to be Christians but who teach things that rob us of the true gospel of Jesus Christ are thieves, are wolves. What does that mean for us? Well, let me give you a couple of different scenarios of what wolves look like right now. First and foremost, when you reject the complete authority of the Word of God, you have become a wolf, a wolf in sheep's clothing. When you reject the inerrancy of the Word of God, the Scriptures, you have become a wolf. You cannot pick and choose the parts of the Bible that you like and reject the parts that your culture says aren't cool anymore. That is a wolf. You cannot teach that salvation is by doing good things or by good works rather than by grace. And you can also not teach that you have a license to do wicked and evil things and then say that it isn't sin. It's being a wolf. You cannot deny that Jesus Christ is God, that he is the Messiah and that he is the only way to salvation. These are wolves who have come in. Similarly, the prosperity gospel is a wolf today that teaches us that if we want to have a relationship with God, it's not a matter of sin and salvation. It's a matter of giving God money, and then you can manipulate God the Father so that he will give you even more literal physical money back. That is not the gospel. It is a wolf in sheep's clothing. The social gospel movement of today and of so many different eras is the same. It is a wolf in sheep's clothing when it tells us that the good news of the gospel, for us to live that out, is simply to be nice to people and give them the physical things that they need. Should we do those things? Yes, absolutely. But the gospel is a reality of sin and salvation. And so when we love somebody physically and meet their needs, which we should, we are always ultimately understanding that every single person needs a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ and simply doing good things to be nice and removing the part about sin and salvation because it might be offensive to our culture is a wolf in sheep's clothing. These are the issues that Jesus was dealing with in that day, and he condemned those false teachers and leaders, and he does the same for us today. But then he wants to talk about hired hands, and somehow the wolves and the hired hands go together. What's the problem with the hired hand? Well, he doesn't own the sheep. 
He doesn't love the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. And so when threat or danger comes, he disappears. And whether you're thinking about the family, the church, any relationship, there is nothing worse than abandoning somebody. And this is what Jesus is calling out here, physically and spiritually. Remember, Jesus himself says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But here he is talking about hired hands. And in our lifetime, when shepherds give in to self-protection, when shepherds give in to compromise, when shepherds give in to passiveness, the wolves will always bring catastrophe for the sheep. What's the implication? For us, the call is to be a good shepherd, under the authority, in submission to the good shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. That if we can live out the grace and the love that he has for us and the people that God has blessed us with in our lives, that we, by his grace, can be a good shepherd. And I just want to think for a moment about the two immediate entities, the circles that God has given us, and that is our family and that is our church. Both covenant committed relationships where there is no place for abandonment. Be a shepherd under the great shepherd. Husbands, shepherd your wives and your children. Moms and dads, shepherd, love, protect your children, your household. Jesus said to Peter in John chapter 21, do you love me? Peter says, yes, disciple of Jesus. Wrote a quarter of the New Testament. Peter says, yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. What did Jesus then instruct Peter to do? Feed my sheep. Take care of, love, protect, teach, feed my sheep. Provide for them, protect them, teach them the word of God. Lead them to the bread of life, as we've talked about in the last few weeks. Teach them to feed themselves and not to eat trash in this life. Show them the cherishing love that the shepherd has for his sheep. Parents, your children are going to understand, earthly speaking, who Jesus is the most from you two. And you can demonstrate to them, obviously we're not going to be perfect at it, but they should see the love of the shepherd poured out by you into their lives on a daily basis. And children, kids of all ages, little sheep, You live in a world, you live in a culture right now that you're being told maybe more than any time ever before in the history of the world that you don't need shepherds. You don't need authority. You don't need anybody over you. You can do what you want, and it is a lie from a wolf who is waiting outside of the shepherd's grasp to eat you. Children, there is a reason the scriptures say, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Because they love you and because the great shepherd has called them to shepherd you, trust them, follow them. They will not be perfect and when they mess up by God's grace, they will admit it. You need shepherds. Jesus tells us exactly that. But there's also the church and the church is very much a family. It is a committed family. It is a covenant family and we cannot and we must not abandon in it either. God has given us elders or pastors. The the words mean the same thing. In the Bible, when it uses the word pastor, it literally is the word shepherd. That is what our elders are called to do. 
I am one, and Lord willing, we will have many who are called to that role of shepherding, leading, protecting, caring for our local flock here. Hebrews 13, 17 says to all of the church, submit to your leaders for they keep watch over your souls and do it in a way that they might take joy in caring for you. When you, anybody in this church, when you serve in a role of discipleship, whether you be a city group leader or you lead a discipleship triad or you serve within our youth ministry or our city kids ministry, you are a shepherd. You are shepherding. You are caring for people. And so do it in a way that you speak and live out the truth and you do it in love, that you lead with the gospel of grace and forgiveness, that we have the backbone to confront sin and call out the thieves in our culture that we are wise and discerning so as not to allow these bad shepherds or hired hands into the flock and that we defend the sheep. We care for it. And we meet the physical needs of the flock. We meet the emotional needs and the spiritual needs of the flock. And there is always room for another sheep. And we are calling, we are inviting more sheep to come in. This is not a club. This is a hospital. There's always room for one more And we are here because Jesus is loving us and shepherding us too. Third and finally, bringing it back now to who Jesus is as the good shepherd. Follow Jesus, who is the gate that we enter and the loving good shepherd. I just want to highlight for you four little promises that we see out of this this big passage that we have read as to who Jesus spiritually ultimately is for us. The first is this, Jesus the good shepherd knows his sheep and is known by his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep and is known by his sheep. We see this in verses 2 through 4 and 14 and 15. Jesus talks about a sheepfold. A sheepfold is basically a corral. You can imagine a horse corral is the same thing. It would look different ways. In the wilderness, this corral would be one herd. But what Jesus is talking about is a corral, a sheepfold, that was closer to town, and there would be multiple different herds within the same corral. That's what he's talking about in verses 2 through 4. And only the true shepherd would be allowed in by this professional gatekeeper, and upon entering, only that shepherd's flock would know the shepherd's voice. And so when literally, when when that shepherd would speak, Those sheep knew his voice and they would come and they would follow him because they trusted him and they would walk out the gate with him leading. You don't beat the sheep and push them forward. The shepherd leads the sheep and he takes them to streams of water and green pastures. They trust him. But then verse 14 and 15, Jesus wants to help us understand exactly how much do the sheep know the shepherd and vice versa. And so he says, the relationship of sheep and shepherd, the relationship that I have with you is the same as the relationship that I, the Son of God, have with God the Father, which is a profound, mind-blowing statement if we really stop and take that in. The way that Jesus knows us and that we can know him is the same way that Jesus knows God the Father. And the way that God the Father knows Jesus. There is incredibly deep intimacy is what Jesus is saying. Jesus tells us in Psalm 139, I knew you before you were born. I know everything about you. I know what you need before you pray and ask for it. And I will provide it as your good shepherd. I already know your failures. When you pray and you admit, God, I've messed up again today. 
It's not a surprise. I already know. And I've already taken the step to forgive that sin, and all you need to do is ask for it to be forgiven. That's how much I know you. You have direct access to the God of the universe, Jesus is saying, because of what I, as the shepherd, have done on your behalf. Secondly, Jesus, the good shepherd, guards the sheep, and he is himself the gate. He tells us this in verses 7 through 10. He guards in two ways. First of all, he guards the gate. He gives protection. We've seen this. Good shepherds will sit up all night. If they know there is danger lurking, they will sit in the gate all night awake so that anyone attempting to enter has to cross over him so that no sheep wanders away. It's a spiritual promise. Verse 28 of this same chapter, Jesus will say, no one can snatch the sheep out of my hand which is an explicit statement of Jesus that if you have been saved by me, you cannot lose your salvation. There is no sin that you can commit and there is nothing that Satan can do to rob you from my hands because I am the good shepherd. But not only that, no thieves will be allowed in because I am the door. They have to come in by crossing over me. This is Jesus' way of saying, over my dead body. The thieves will not come in this place. You are safe because Jesus holds the gate. And he's not only the gate of protection, he's the gate of provision. He provides. He says, I'm the door. In order to go into the sheepfold, you must go through me. The very next I am statement of Jesus, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only door, the only way to salvation. Not only to salvation, though, but to abundance. We love Psalm 23, right? Listen to Psalm 23 when we think about the fact that Jesus is our salvation and that he gives us everything that we need. He cares. He has come to give us abundance. The Lord is my shepherd, says Psalm 23. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is the gate. And consider, brothers and sisters, This year, in 2020, in what ways has the Good Shepherd been with you as you have had to walk some dark valleys? He has been there with you and He will continue to be there with you, regardless of what may come. Third, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has one flock, doesn't He? We get this in verse 16. Jesus says, there are other sheep not of this fold, not of this corral, Who will listen to me? That's the key. Who will listen to me? The gospel of Jesus is an open invitation to anyone in the world who will believe. Thank God. 
So we just learned this morning that Jewish shepherds were the first to receive the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Messiah, has been born. He's come to earth, and some of them would believe, but the vast majority of the Jewish people rejected Jesus. But God's plan from before the foundations of the world was, what the, was that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out to all people. Every tribe, tongue, and nation is not an afterthought on Jesus' part. Across every human reason that we make up, that we choose to separate and to divide over, the gospel invites all believers to come and to be one in Jesus. Amen? To be one. So there will be one flock not two or three or four. In Jesus, there is one flock with one shepherd, one family. And just to be real practical, that means that believers who voted for Donald Trump are part of the flock. And believers who voted for Joe Biden are a part of the flock. And believers who didn't vote for anybody are a part of the flock. The church in America has forgotten that in the last six weeks. And we could go down the laundry list of things that we use to divide us. Do not let Satan separate out his church because Jesus said that we are one flock. We have one thing in common and it's Jesus and it's the only thing that we need. Thank God for his grace. We are one flock, one family, one shepherd, one church, not just New City, but the global church, one bride of Christ, one vine that is Jesus that every single believer from all time has been grafted into. And we have all been adopted by Jesus' grace into one family and we are all sons and daughters. Every tribe, tongue, and nation of one family. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, this. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. It's the most important thing Jesus tells us here in the story. And he says it four times. Did you get that? In verses 1 through 18, four times Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's not your average shepherd, is it? I will lay down my life for the sheep because I love the sheep. I will die for the sheep in order to save the sheep. And Jesus tells us something else very important. He says, I have the authority to do it. I have the authority to lay my life down and to take it back up again, which is a couple things. First of all, no Jewish Pharisee and no Roman soldier killed Jesus. Jesus gave up his life. He said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last. What was finished? Salvation for the whole world was finished. Jesus has the authority to do it. And he says up front, I have the authority to take it back up again. He is promising the resurrection. On Thursday at Christmas Eve, we're going to look at Jesus' final I am promise. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus has the authority to do both willingly, lovingly, purposefully. And this is a profound mystery that Jesus, who is the great shepherd, chose to become the sacrificial lamb, to die on the cross, a literal cross, to die for our literal sins, to pay the literal penalty for our sins. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do ourselves because what we as sinners, every single one of us from every tribe, tongue, and nation have done is sin. And we deserve 
justice. We deserve punishment. We deserve death for it. And Jesus has gone before. The good shepherd has come down to become the sacrificial lamb. He has already died on the cross so that anyone who will believe in Jesus can be forgiven of their sins, their sins paid for, Jesus' perfect righteousness applied to them, and they can have eternal saving life that begins the moment that you believe and that will never end. It's not just asking Jesus into your heart. It's certainly not just believing that Jesus was a good guy or a good moral teacher. It's saying, I want you as my sacrificial lamb, my savior, and I want you as my Lord, my shepherd, which means you lead and I follow. My life, my agenda, my schedule, my plans, my goals, who I am physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything about me, you are Lord. Save me because he's the good shepherd. He loves you enough to lay down his life for you. Amen? Let's take a moment. Let's pray together to the good shepherd.